Do you ever wish you could be known by someone? Like, really known. The good parts about you, the parts you're trying to hide from someone else, and the dreams and the fears that you have for the future. Not putting on any airs or pretending to be someone you're not, but being completely yourself. Okay, I totally have my hand raised here. That is me. That is totally me. Because I don't know a single person who doesn't want to be known and valued for who they've been created to be, both single and married alike. And my friends are both single and married. So I have a question for you. Why is it that we're trying to be someone we're not? Well, the answer is because we want to be loved. I think that's all we really want is to be loved. Today on the podcast, we're talking about love, being known, and the yearning we have to be intimate with someone, both emotionally and physically. And yep, we're talking about sex. You may have noticed that the explicit rating is on for this episode, which means in this case, maybe don't listen with your kids in the room. And in full disclosure, this is a conversation between two single women sharing their experience and viewpoints. We're not experts, just real people sharing our thoughts on sex before marriage, abstinence, what the Bible says about sex, and some of the damage that has been done through the purity culture within the Christian community. So make sure you stay tuned because this is a pretty great episode. You're listening to The Courage Cast, a show to equip and empower women to live bravely. Each week we'll share coaching conversations and stories of women who are willing to face their fear and pursue their purpose. Here's your host, life coach, author, and your secret weapon. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Courage Cast. My name is Andrea Crisp. I'm your host, and I'm actually pretty pumped that you're here because if you decided to keep on going with today's episode, and if you're to this point already, then it's likely that you've been thinking about what we're going to be talking about today, which is sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Nobody knows that you're listening to this. It's okay. It's just you and me. So I'm not going to lie. I sat on airing this conversation for weeks. I thought about deleting it. I thought about not putting it out. I was basically waiting for myself to be ready to honestly just be vulnerable. So not long ago, I sat down and chatted with Kat Harris from The Refined Woman, whom you are going to love, by the way, to talk about dating and quarantine. I mean, yeah, right? Dating and quarantine. If you're single... How do you date in quarantine? But as you're going to hear in the conversation, we didn't even get to that. Instead, we had a very lively chat about sex before marriage. Now, this is a topic that I have talked a lot about with my close friends, maybe much to their chagrin, but this is something that I've never really openly spoke about. So this is the very first time that I have ever done that. Before we even get into the show, I want to say that the opinions that expressed by Kat and myself are personal. Neither one of us are trying to sway you in any way about your view about sex outside of marriage. We're basically just scratching the surface here. There was so much more that we could have talked about. And when I got off the call with Kat, I thought to myself, you know what? I probably had a lot more questions that I just didn't even get to. Maybe I was a bit shell-shocked from having been so vulnerable and open. My hope for this episode is that you, whether you're married, single, divorced, male or female, that you start talking about sex with your friends, with your partner, with your spouse, with those people who you're close to, and that you ask yourself what you truly desire for yourself and your life. These are only questions you can answer for yourself like me, you might have thought the topic of sex, especially within the Christian community, was off limits. Except for if you were married. And even my married friends weren't talking about sex, because let's be real, so many people struggle with intimacy. So as you listen, I would love to know what you think. And if you're of the opinion that I should do another episode on this in the future, then please let me know. Now, to introduce my guest. Kat Harris is a podcast, blogger, online educator, speaker whose vision it is to empower women with practical tools to walk in their worth and navigate their lives grounded in freedom, vision, and wholeness. 
I am so excited for you guys to hear this conversation with Kat Harris. Kat, thank you so much for joining me today all the way from Dallas. I'm excited to talk with you. We're both in quarantine with our families right now. It's so crazy the days we're in and uh, I'm totally excited to hear your story and what's going on in your life. But I'd love to hear about you, about what you're passionate about, who you serve, all the things you love to do. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, well, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be chatting with you and seeing you face to face. Thank you, Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. That's always like such a interesting question to go through. Like, who are we? Like, what are we about? Um, so currently I'm in Dallas. That's where I grew up. Um, normally I'm living in Brooklyn, New York. I've been there for about seven years and I have run a full-time photography business for the last 10 years. So I do editorial and lifestyle primarily between LA and New York. And then about eight years ago, I started um, a lifestyle blog called The Refined Woman. And it started off as kind of like a style blog, but um, I am not super into fashion. <laughs> like I like, I like it, but I just, I think I just got to a point where I felt as though, what am I inviting? What story am I inviting others into? And I want to invite people into a story of like, worthiness and acceptance and value outside of the external. And so I started sharing more of my story and my life and that that is sort of when things kind of shifted um at the refined woman and i've talked i talk about everything from health and wellness to moving through an eating disorder to struggling and healing from anxiety to now being in my 30s and single and wondering should I freeze my eggs and (laughs) then talking about dating and singleness and sexuality and desire and how do I navigate this as a single woman of faith and so my heart is to really create a space for women to first know that they are loved, valued, seen and known and accepted Mm -hmm. from the inside out and then equip women to walk in that so what does it look like to walk out dating what does it look like to have a more holistic perspective with our health and um i am by no means an expert or perfect i'm just like a pilgrim on the sojourn (laughs) with with my community and it's just interesting the way God works. I never would have ever thought in a million years, oh, for a living, I'm going to be talking to women in this way, you know, and, but here I am. (laughs) You know, it's so funny you say that because I remember being really young in youth group and Mm -hmm. um, seeing this one particular girl who was like, I don't know, maybe 15 years older than us and single and thinking, oh gosh, I don't want to be like, that's like the worst. So I I'm, I'm a little head of you. I'm like 45 Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I don't mind saying that. I just tell people all the time. I'm like, I'm in my forties. I'm still single, never married. Mm -hmm. And you know, life is very different. And I probably wouldn't have ever imagined being in this place because I remember Mm -hmm. thinking when I was young, like you know, but having said that, I also look at other people's lives and I also can't even imagine being in them. Mm. So it's different. So I want to know, like from your perspective, even when you're thinking about, you know, your own singleness in, in your independence and like, how is that serving you at the moment? How is my singleness serving me? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the first thing that comes to the top of my head is I am very aware of the space and margin I have in my life because I am not in a relationship. I was able to pick up and leave New York and not have to consult with anyone or make sure, is this what you want? Is this what works best for us? And I am also, I'm in the middle of writing a book and my deadline is fast approaching. And I'm very aware that I I I feel the privilege that I don't have children right now that I am 
able to write that and be undistracted and be in charge of my time in a way that I, I know when you're in a relationship and especially when you have children that that changes. That doesn't mean that I don't deeply want children or marriage, but I think having I just having that space and margin is something that I do not take for granted. And then I think what is so beautiful about singleness is the opportunity to work on your ish, Yeah, (laughs) you know, and not for the sake of I'm working on my stuff so that this other person will accept me is because I believe that we like attracts like. So in my twenties, I mean, I was all sorts of hot mess working out (laughs) my daddy issues on every guy that I dated and just, I felt confident, but based off results (laughs) and based off my experiences in dating, it exposed this like gaping wound in my heart of, wow, like I do not know how to own my voice. I am so stuck in accepting scraps of attention and crumbs from guys because in my head, I had this narrative of, oh my gosh, I can't believe this guy's even looking at me. Like I'll just take whatever I can get from him. So in so many ways, I was settling for scraps because I was walking in a in really low self-worth. And I never would have known that with my mouth because I was always loud and outgoing and speaking to women and <laughs> you know living my calling and all that. However, I think something that's really unique about romantic relationships is they bring out another part of you another part of us gets exposed. And so there's so much opportunity for growth. And I look back now and I'm so grateful that God didn't give me what I wanted when I wanted it because I would probably be divorced right now or in a painful marriage. Like, And marriage is freaking hard. No matter if you're like ready for it or not, marriage is hard. By the fact alone that you are sharing a bed with someone. I'm like, (laughs) uh, can we have two king beds pushed together? Because I do not want to share a bed (laughs) with any other roommate situation. If you're annoyed, great. I'm, I'm going to go to my bedroom right now and have some space. Or if I don't like living with you, I can just move out. So I think one of the biggest values of being, single is having that time to really lean in and press in and say, wow, like who am I becoming right now? What are the patterns of my, in my life? Are they serving me? Are they not? What are the fears that are holding me back? How did my past shape my, my present? Often we don't understand why we're blocked from our future or the blessing. And it's because we haven't walked through healing from the past. So gosh, girl, I, I'm just the biggest fan of therapy and workshops and retreats and emotional intelligence (laughs) and life coaching and all the things. I just, I want to be the whole health healthiest version of myself first and foremost for me. Mm -hmm. But I also, I want to be the person that I also am looking for. So I think a long time, I'll just be frank with you. I didn't take my business as seriously and I didn't really have a future vision because always on the back of my mind was I'll probably meet and marry a guy any day now that has a really good job and I won't have to work. And then I can have kids and be a stay-at-home mom if I want, continue my job if I want, but not have the financial pressure. And really, I feel like I was like looking for a sugar daddy. I was like, okay, any day, God, like where's my sugar daddy? And I really, I feel like God really challenged me a few years ago and was like, why are you expecting a person to be financially free and stable if you are just kind of like, what, you know, whatever happens with my career. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so I think that has been really challenging to me as a single person too, is am I the person that I am looking for? Yeah. I used to, I mean, I was like, when I first moved to New York seven years ago, I was going out, I was partying, I was dancing and making out with guys at bars and none of that is bad, but I would pause and think my friends would be like, Oh, maybe you'll meet a guy out tonight. And I would say, Oh, the guy I want to be with is not going to be like dancing on a table and 
making out with random girls at bars. Yeah. And yet that's what I was doing. And so I, I think I had like a paradigm shift, like some years ago now where I just realized it's not that I'm judging that behavior. I love going out dancing, you know, maybe the making out with the random strangers was the behavior that (laughs) was not serving me or others, but just, it really, I think your singleness gives you a time to really like look back and see like, who am I becoming? What am I about? Where am I called to? And how am I stepping into that right now? Not one day when, because really even just back to, oh, I'm, I was waiting for a financial savior for a long time yeah. as opposed to living my life fully and living my calling fully and realizing if that's what I wanted, I have the capacity to have that and not put that expectation unfairly on another human being. Mm -hmm. I've referred to the book Calling in the One by Catherine Woodward Thomas a couple of times on the podcast. I don't know if you've read the book. I haven't. I'm going to write that down. It is amazing. Came across the book in the fall, this past fall, after Mm -hmm. um, I went through some relationship uh, devastation, basically, is Mm -hmm. how nicely to put it. But um, anyways, I think up until that point, I, you know, I, I had this assumption of, you know, how I was and my life and then when I but everything you're saying is is very much in that book calling in the one and talking Mm. about you know attracting what we are and working on ourselves and and I had probably been focused uh, a majority of my life at that point up until that point on being in ministry and then Mm. I switched and did more business which I wasn't really equipped to do at the time because Mm -hmm. I had been focused so much on ministry up until then. But I hadn't really been dating a lot. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of sidelined the whole thing and I thought, you know, that doesn't really matter. But then once I was in a relationship and then things went south Mm -hmm. and I then was like thinking, well, what the heck happened? My mm. first initial inclination was like, well, it was him. Yeah. And quite frankly, there's a lot that <laughs> did happen. But I also had to take a look inward and I had to see, like, how had I actually uh, projected that into the relationship? What had I Absolutely. projected into the relationship? Mm-hmm. What are those things that I had brought into it? And that was so eye opening. So for the past about six well, almost six to nine months, I have been on this journey of really kind of being very introspective of like, who am I, you know, and in a different way than I had before, not in the life coaching way that, you know, I self-help and, but in, in this really like, uh, genuine sense of being like, okay, what things am I still holding on to that I am projecting into this relationship and trying to have someone fix Mm, in my past or in my in me or in my relationship to you know either my dad or my mom and so I'm really interested to ask you so you you know you got to that point for yourself what like was the that kind of catalyst for you that made you go okay I'm going from like you know making out of the bars with these guys to like okay this is a totally different way I'm going to approach this now Yeah. Well, I think I have to back up a little bit. And my first kind of wave of there's, there, there's something, something's not working is I, well, okay, let's go way back is I had a college relationship that was, the guy was amazing, pursued me and such a man of God, so much of what I wanted and everything was going smoothly. And then about like, four months into our relationship, I started just getting super paranoid. I started accusing him of not having pure intentions with me or running around with other women. And I sabotaged the relationship. And it wasn't until several years in hindsight that I really realized, oh, he didn't do anything wrong. I was expecting him to do what my dad did. 
And so I sabotaged out of fear, out of that's what I was expecting. And that was a real blow because the relationship had ended and he had moved on. By the time I had had this aha moment of he wasn't the problem, I was. And I felt terrible that I had projected onto him things that were never his. So years go by and I I really took a pause from dating and I I didn't know I was taking a pause from dating, but I was so scared of recreating my past that I think energetically I just had like a big like stay away neon sign on my forehead. So hey, can I would I, can I stop you there for a second cuz I like I totally want people to hear this. Yeah. Because I think that is so I did the same thing. And I would mm. never have been able to admit that I took a mm. pause in dating because you don't mm. know you are. Mm-hmm. So continue yeah. on. I just want people because I think so many women are like, why is this not happening? Yeah. But it's it's actually you're you've paused it. Oh, yeah. I And kind of back to what you said a few minutes ago, it's so easy just to say what the guy did wrong or what the guy isn't doing or how men in the church or in our culture are not showing up it's a much harder thing or a much more vulnerable thing to pause and say, you want to know what the common denominator is in all of my relationships and experiences with men? It's me. Yeah. I'm the common denominator. (laughs) Whoops. I'm the one. (laughs) And if I am surrounded by drama, it's because I am drama. Mm -hmm. If I am only dating guys that are emotionally available and narcissistic, then something in me is emotionally unavailable. And I get to look at that instead of putting it on other people. So then after not dating for a very, for seven years, I meet this guy, fall head over heels. And literally on our first date, he was like, I just got divorced. I'm not interested in being in a relationship. I'm just looking for something casual. I am really still hurting. And in my head, I heard, oh, he's hurting. He's going to change for me. And I think as women, so often we hear what we want to hear. Yeah. And we go into fix it mode when no one wants to be fixed, you know? And as soon as we try to fix or mother, the person that we're dating, we've like killed any like romantic possibility. And so I entered a very often on toxic relationship with this person for several years. And when I say off and on, it was like six months off, eight months (laughs) off. And really that was the big moment for me where I realized this isn't about him because he treated me poorly. He lied to me. We would be on a date and he would be swiping on his app like right and left to hook up with someone, even though he was a a guy that went to church, he was a godly guy. He never wanted to commit to me. He never would introduce me to his friends. And I was just so hungry for love Mm -hmm. that I was willing to take whatever he would give me. And I started going to counseling at the end of our relationship because I was so aware that this human was treating me so poorly and he didn't respect me. And I was like, why am I going back to this person? Why am I? I was like a moth to the flame. Mm -hmm. And I was so surprised because in every other area of my life, I was this confident, strong woman. And it was in the brokenness of that relationship that I really started digging into healing and therapy and realizing, oh, my past and my childhood and my relationship with my dad and my parents and my family of origin is really impacting my present. And I really can't move forward until I move through that. So I spent a lot of time just really getting healing Mm -hmm. and real because I could see in my brain that, oh, I come from a really broken family. There's multiple divorces, affairs, addictions, a lot of, a lot of dysfunction. But by the time I was in my twenties, there was restoration. So when I looked at my family, I felt I have such an incredible family and such beautiful relationship with my dad, with my parents. And 
why am I acting like this? Because everything's great. And it took me such, I mean, my poor therapist, whenever I was going through this breakup, she kept wanting to talk to my, about my dad. And I was like, I don't want to talk about my dad. I want to talk about why I kept dating this jerk. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, it's connected. (laughs) Um, so then several years go on after that. And I moved to New York and this, New York to me, so much was going on for me. First, I grew up in the South. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but grew up in Southern Christian culture where it's like, you know, there's certain expectations. And then when I became a Christian, it was like, oh, you know, you don't have sex until marriage. You know, you only date with the intention of getting married. So date one, if you don't know if you want to marry the person, there's all this pressure. Yeah. And So moving to New York, I call it like this, like it was like this sexual awakening for me. And I'd done all this work on my past. And I, for the first time in my life was connected to my heart, connected to my femininity in a new way, connected to my sexuality. And I dated more in that first year than I had in a decade. And it just was such an eye-opening experience. And I ended up dating this guy falling head over heels. I like fell hard, fell fast. And what happened is we got to a point in our relationship where he was ready to have sex. And I looked all around me and I didn't understand why I was waiting anymore. And I, all I could, all that I could bring to my mind was this rule that Mm -hmm. I grew up hearing in the church and in Christian culture that I honestly didn't know if it was relevant any longer. If it was just some like antiquated norm that is not really working anymore. So in the, in the throes of the that breakup, because we ended up breaking up because I was like, listen, I'm really conflicted on this. And uh, until I figure out what I believe on it, like I'm not going to do it. And so it was in that breakup that I was like going out to bars, making out and just, you know, just, I think in the moment I was like, I'm living my single life and I'm not like sleeping around or anything and doing all this stuff that I judge, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm, I'm young, I'm single, like I'm having my fun, but really I was not having fun. I was chasing pain and I was, I, I remember one specific night I was kissing this guy at a bar. And I remember we were kissing and I was like, I don't know this guy's name and I don't even care. And I honestly felt like I could have been kissing my hand. And I, I had this like kind of out of body moment where I was like that, that's disturbing that I could literally (laughs) be kissing my hand right now. And okay. So I ended up like bowing out, going home and really sitting with that. And I felt as I processed that, man, if it doesn't matter what a person's name is and I don't even care and I might as well just be kissing my hand. Well, that means I might as well just be kissing an object, which means I am objectifying this person and flattening who they are as a human. And when I flatten another, when I flatten a human, I also flatten my humanity and that's not what I want. And this isn't getting me what I want. Mm-hmm. Like if we're talking about results, like this is not creating the results that I want. Um, it's creating drama. It was creating heartache. It was creating confusion. It was scratching an itch and the itch just wasn't going anywhere because I was just looking. It was like any anyone then became an object to like satiate the hurt I was feeling or just like the idea of, you know, living up my single life in New York. And so I think it was in that breakup of just, I'm in this breakup. I'm then going out and thinking I'm having all my fun when really I wasn't. And then I was just like, okay, God, this is not working. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not what I want. And I need to figure out what I believe and why. Because just as much as like a set of rules about, sex from my childhood wasn't working for me anymore. Like the flip side of it, of like going out and like doing whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. Yeah. I just got to this point where I realized this isn't working and Mm -hmm. this isn't what I want. And 
I need to zoom out and kind of, I needed to go back to square one. I felt like up until that point, I had been in this house, but it was a house of cards and it blew over. Yeah. (laughs) And I wanted to rebuild it. And I wanted to know, I wanted to have a new vision for relationships and sex and desire and intimacy. And I wanted to know what the biblical framework was that outside of a list of do's or don'ts or tits for tats. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of like the real turning point for me when I started on that journey of, okay, let's figure this out. <laughs> right. No, I, I think that it's such an interesting um interesting subject that you bring up and one that I've often wondered if I'm you know gonna talk about on the podcast and my friends you know are like oh there's someday it's gonna happen and you're just gonna have to start talking about it and I think today's the day yeah I'm like "Uh uh-oh here we are (laughs) I was like oh crap (laughs) um and not like I don't talk about it in you know with friends or people or Mm -hmm. uh, even you know clients or whatever but it's been an interesting, you know, of course, I was raised in the church as well. I've mm. um, more recently uh, been kind of going through a deconstruction of my faith. And so that's mm-hmm. been uh, over the past maybe a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And in that, now, you know, I I was raised in the church. I was a pastor, a worship leader. I went to, a you know, a Christian university, um, did all the things mm-hmm. and was very like, I would say uh, I'm a rule follower. I'm a one on the Enneagram. So I like to be good. I like to do the right thing. I like to do the, you know, to know that, you know, I've kind of toned the line and doing all the things that I'm supposed to do. So for me, for much of my growing up, um, you know, of course, sex was outside of marriage was not, you know, permitted, you know, in biblical standards. Mm. Now my parents weren't Christians when they got married. So that was a different story for their lives. And Mm -hmm. so, but then of course now they were, they were never the conservative type Christians. Mm -hmm. Never, never, never still are not to this day. So they were more like, go have fun, do your thing, whatever. And I was just like, no, like I've got to follow the rules and I've got to do this. (laughs) uh, Anything that happened physical, you know, in my growing up was like a really Mm -hmm. huge deal. Like, you know, so needless to say, I went through a lot where, you know, the whole purity culture movement, of course, Joshua Harris wrote the book, Kiss Dating, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Mm-hmm. That was very much prevalent in my 20s for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the culture, I lived in Missouri and then subsequently in Tennessee. Oh. So in the South as well. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, so man. right in the Bible belts. Feeling for you. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> so meanwhile, I'm a like nice Canadian girl. Right. So with with very like non-traditional parents. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in the middle of the South. And so, um, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I lost my virginity in my twenties. So Mm -hmm. just, you know, spoiler alert. So, Mm -hmm. um, and, but I'll tell you what, um, and I've, I've talked about it, but never like on the podcast. So Mm -hmm. I can't even believe I'm doing this. Um, but when that happened, that were, there was a huge amount of shame a huge, huge, huge amount of shame for me. And I didn't tell people because the only people that were in my life would be people who are like, well, you need to, you know, like ask for forgiveness and you need to. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of carried that around for a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. And then I stopped being in relationships Mm -hmm. because if I wasn't in a relationship, I, and now I'm actually just having the correlation right now. It's just actually hitting me. Mm, I stopped being in relationships because if I wasn't going to be able to be good, I couldn't be in them. So I, I just was like, well, I don't know that I can trust myself not to. So Mm. I'll just not be in them. Yeah. That'll solve that problem. And being, you know, someone in ministry and, you know, being fearful of like, well, you know, and then all of the things that go along with, you know, why I did it in the first place for validation and for Mm. uh, approval and for Mm -hmm. someone to, who really wasn't really wanting to commit to me, to Mm. actually commit to me and and love me in the way that I was hoping to have happen. Mm. And, you know, so now, you know, fast forward many, many, many years, Uh, I kind of went through a season where I was like, okay, well, I probably, you know, will just, you know, just kind of put that all on, on the back burner not think Mm -hmm. about it, not talk about it. And yet I was, you know, teaching about it in 
in the Christian schools that I, like I was asked mm. to be the teacher who taught about, you know, uh, purity and all the, uh, like I, now I think about it and it's like, what, who's asking me to, to talk about this? Um, and now I can honestly say to you, cause I think I've listened to one of your podcasts and so I know, and I'm, I want you to tell the audience yeah. where you're at, but yeah. so I think I know what you're going to say, but, mm. um, I personally don't know where I fall anymore. I think I fall in the category of it. I think it's really important for people to make a very educated decision, wise decision about their physicality in for them. Yes. And I think it's so important for when people are, you know, in intimacy, because it is going to bring in so much into your life, both mm. positively yeah. And negatively. Yeah. And so you have to be able to know that are if you're if you're there and you're doing that, that you're willing to handle mm. and to go through the things that come with it. And yeah. I think so often, so many people, uh, whether they're in the church or not in the church, they just want to feel better. They're numbing out, not mm. realizing that they are taking in um the energy of that person, mm-hmm. everything that goes along with it. And then having like, why am I feeling this way? Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I, I don't, I don't necessarily say to people you shouldn't, or you should, yeah. I think that's their decision. I think it's a decision people need to make on their own, but I yeah. want to know what you have to say. Yeah. Oh man. Those are, first of all, thank you so much for sharing your experience. And um, yeah, I know, I know this is a podcast for you and I basically just bear my soul. To and I'm so grateful you did. And like, that's, oh, no. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It's, it's good. And, um, I, I just think there's so much nuance in this conversation and I just feel like from the get go, we just have to enter it with a lot of grace and space for each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Gosh. Okay. I'm like, where do I start here? So I feel like I'm coming from a, a a Christian framework. Okay. So that's like, that's my background. And so when all of this stuff went down for me, I may have not had sex with the guy that I ended up, that ended up launching me into this whole journey, but I went further with him than I had with any other guy. And it was, I mean, we did basically at the end of that, I was like, I think I'm a virgin, but (laughs) I think (laughs) if, if sex is penis and vagina, then I think I'm a virgin, (laughs) but we did everything else and I didn't feel guilty for it. Yeah. It felt intimate and beautiful and like the most natural thing in the world. And I always thought I would feel like riddled with guilt about it. And so I think that was the confusing piece for me is I was like, wow, I've held on to this thing for so long. And is, is sex a specific act? Is sex one thing? And if it is, if sex is just like, penis and vagina. I bet you weren't expecting those words to be all over this podcast episode. (laughs) But if that's the case, meanwhile, this is my most downloaded episode. I'm already like, (laughs) (laughs) then do only heterosexual people lose their virginity? Mm, And what if you are a part of the 75% of women that only climax through external stimulation? do you not have good sex? Are you unable to have good sex? And what if you are, your partner is impotent? What if the guy you're with can't get it up? Yeah. Are you not able to have a fulfilling sex life? What are we referring to when we refer to a sex life? Yeah. And so all of this, these were all questions that I was asking myself and I avoided them for a long time because I think because of being in the church and being in a a lot of leadership positions, I was, I would say with my mouth, like it's Jesus alone, like grace alone, salvation, you know, but really it was like Jesus plus virginity, plus the approval of others, plus earning my seat at the table equals salvation. Yep. And I just know that that's not the heart of God. And so what I did was I started to research every single 
place in the Bible that talked about sex and relationships. Because first I was unconvinced that the Bible actually said not to have sex before marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, So my whole, my agenda was I'm going to research and find out and be able to justify from a biblical standpoint why this is a good idea for me to like be having sex outside of marriage. And um, unfortunately, turns out the Bible is very clear about that. And 25 times in the New Testament, it says to flee from sexual immorality and fornication. And you're just, I was like, oh, what the hell does that even mean? You know, (laughs) and uh, fornification, like sexual immorality, it just sounds, the words in itself sound archaic and shame inducing. Yeah. And when I, it was only when I researched that, uh, the Greek word used for both of those is porneia, which is where obviously where we get words like pornography. And the idea is to flee from or to get as far away as possible from premarital and extramarital sex and also sexual activity outside of marriage. So actually the call isn't just like, just abstain from actual intercourse as a single person, but it's, it's this more like comprehensive invitation. And so I was like, Oh, so at the very least it probably means sex, but then like, what is sex? And there's Peggy Orenstein is this New York times journalist and author. She wrote two incredible books that I think everyone should read called girls and sex and then boys and sex. Mm-hmm. It's all about consent and, Um, sexual encounters and experiences of young people. And she talks about how she wishes that we like women and men would look at sex more like a pool of experience and a horizontal, Mm -hmm. like a horizontal space, as opposed to like a vertical race up a ladder to achieve or avoid a specific goal. Um, So I started seeing, I saw clearly in scripture, it says this thing, you know, but I also see that at the end of the day, what I do or do not do with my body sexually does not get me in or out of heaven, right? Like like the thief on the cross next to Jesus being crucified said, you know, Jesus, like, I want to know you. Like, mm-hmm. can I be with you in paradise today? You know, and Jesus is like, yes. He wasn't like, well, but were you having sex? And, you know, <laughs> were you tithing? And were you generous? Like, it was just like, Jesus always led with acceptance and dignity and uh, relationship. And can I say this before you continue? I've actually been asked that, those questions. Mm. Like, you know, in in advancement in the church, are you tithing? Mm -hmm. We looked. Mm -hmm. I had pastors say to me, I looked to see Mm -hmm. how much you've been tithing. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when we're saying all of these things too, there's, you know, there a lot of the reason people fear it so much is because it's actually yeah. being said. Right, right. And I think it's because there's a fear of, you know, we want to control like we we want to control people because we're afraid. Yeah. And um really for me what I noticed is I think the big turning point for me was there was it's it's was Song of Solomon and Genesis 2. I saw, I saw in Song of Solomon, this, like, it's like this erotic account. Like if when anyone is like, God is not pro-sex or God is a prude or whatever, I'm like, freaking read the Song of Solomon. Like yeah. <laughs> Jewish kids were not allowed to read it until they came of age. Cause that's how erotic it is. Yeah. And I mean, they're talking about sex, oral sex, foreplay, all this stuff, but there's this like mutual, adoration between the king and his wife there's this um they want each other they are they are voicing consent i want you to do this to me i long for you like your your lips are like honey to me i want to get drunk off your body all night long and then there's like a communal response of go for it get drunk in love like do it mm-hmm. and i just noticed this whole wow there um was this there's this intimacy that was between this couple that um, not only did they experience intimacy, but they weren't afraid to shout it from the rooftops. And then all their community knew that they were a thing. And they were like, yes, go for it. We are so for this relationship. And then I looked back to Genesis 2. And uh, so that was compelling to me because I had been settling for relationships with guys that were like, 
not wanting to hang out with me in the daylight, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or not wanting to introduce me to my, to their friends. I, I feel you. I was there. I have. Yeah. There. Yeah. And I was like, man, I want like my King to be like, listen up everyone. I'm with her. Yeah. How amazing is that? Mm-hmm. And then I Genesis two, where we have the Adam and Eve story where, you know, Adam, uh, like humanity is created and God says it's very good. So right from the get-go, there's like equality and um, value, honor, dignity, and man and woman. It's mm-hmm. not like one is better than the other and there's equal calling. And so Adam is made or whatever. And then the story is he's put to work. And and I wonder if God like put humans to work before relationship and this whole like creation metaphor so that as humans, you could see like work is important but it's not the whole thing and we can still want more. Yeah. And then God puts him to sleep, creates Eve, and then brings Eve to Adam, awakens Adam, which is always a striking moment for me because I think, man, I think God has to awaken our person before we are able to see each other. And sometimes we wonder like, why is it like, why am I not meeting someone? Like maybe we need to start like asking that God would awaken people in mm-hmm. our lives. Yeah. Um, and then Adam sees Eve and he's like burst forth into song and poetry. Like he's so relieved at last bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And then it says they enter the first marriage. It's like the first marriage in scripture or whatever. And it goes on to say, you know, then, uh, you know, husband, they shall leave their parents and cleave. And then the two will become one, AKA they have sex. And so right from the very beginning, there's this biblical precedence of um, sex being this like physical manifestation of this holistic expression. So it's not just like a mechanic situation. Mm-hmm. And the Freudian view, um, so Sigmund Freud brought about this whole view that like sex is just sex and it's just body parts. And that didn't sit well with me. Like I was like, yeah, like physical intimacy feels freaking awesome, but my heart gets involved. And like, what does that mean? It's, it is more than mechanics. It's more than technique. It's more than scratching an itch because I know when I just scratch an itch with a guy, then like, there's something about that, that feels flattening Mm -hmm. and it feels flattening because we are not acknowledging like the Imago Dei, like the God spark and God image in that other human as saying, you are a multifaceted, multidynamic whole, whole being. Mm -hmm. And I just want something from you for my own satisfaction. Like, like that to me, I was like, that just doesn't sit well with me. And so then I like looked into, you're like also getting a picture of how my brain is like a ping pong or like one of those like machines where the ball's like pew, 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 pew. Um, so then I was like, okay, what does it mean that like a person left home for their, you know, and then got married and then they had sex. So I looked up Hebrew culture, you know, we move out of home. We, we leave home when we're in high school and college yeah. and it's a rite of passage in a sense, but I'm 35 and I've had almost a hundred roommates at this point. I mean, I living with other people and not living with my parents is not a big deal in our culture. Right. But in Hebrew culture, you moved out once and it was a really big deal. And it meant something. It meant that you were getting married and everyone in town knew about it. And so what happened is like, you know, the Hebrew boy would go to the, the, the girl's house and propose to the family. Mm-hmm. So it's like, everything's out in the open. And when, and, or if the family agreed and the girl agreed, then homeboy had to go back home and build her a house with his bare hands and they couldn't get married until that home was finished. And so day in, day out, this guy brick by brick is building a home for her. So he's showing his family. I am serious about this woman. He's showing the community. Everyone that's walking by sees, Oh, he's, he's building his house. He is off the market. He's a one woman kind of guy. He is serious about a woman and he's willing to show her with his actions, with his time, even with his finances, that he's willing to do whatever it takes for her to know that he's serious about this relationship. Mm -hmm. And so then when that's done, then they get married and then they have sex. And when I learned that when I learned about that, it was 
a pretty like life changing moment for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want that type of relationship. I want the type of re- I want the type of relationship that is like I am all in. Yeah. I am not going anywhere and I am willing to put my money where my mouth is. I am willing to fight for, pursue, to get uncomfortable, to build things. I am I want everyone to know that I am committed. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going anywhere. And I think that is so profound in a culture that we, we are a culture of instant gratification and we want what we want when we want it. And we want it like yesterday. Yeah. And when I saw sex in that light as wow. So then sex becomes this like physical expression of this like mind, body, soul, spirit connection. Whoa. Like, yeah, like physical intimacy on its own is nice and it feels freaking good and I love it. But I felt like I was like, like in the Wizard of Oz and I was living in black and white. And then like, but like sex in its full manifestation is this like 3D, like colorful, like Oz experience. It doesn't mean if you like don't have sex until you're married, you're going to have a banging sex life. Like if you've never ridden a bike before, you're not going to be ready for the tour to France. Totally different podcast. Yeah, that's like, no, no. Like we got to like learn. We got to do research. We got to trial by error. We have to learn how to communicate. So I think all of that, I came to this point for myself Mm -hmm. where I was like, you know what? I'm willing to wait for that. Yeah. That's what I want. And I also did a ton of research. Um, I read books like the defining decade. Um, and oh my gosh, I read like sex God by Rob Bell is one of my favorites redeeming sex by Deborah Hirsch theology of the body by, um, St. John Paul, the second, I think it is, he's a Catholic Pope. And you talk about like, oh, a very fascinating, like, you know, emer- merging of like sexuality and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I What's saw that, through all that one theology of the body. Okay. So, so much of it is all about like how our, like our sexuality really, what, when we, when we're connected to the Freudian view of sexuality, then it's all it is, is mechanics and scratch the itch. Yeah. Um, whereas like, if like I now view sexuality uh, as different than the desire for sex. Mm-hmm. So my sexuality is uh, my, the human desire that all humans have to connect outside of ourselves with others, like mm-hmm. lowercase other. And our spirituality is the human desire within all of us to connect with capital O other. So our sexuality just gets us out of ourselves to connect with others, to be in relationship. We we confuse that with the desire for sex. Yeah. <laughs> like the desire for sex is I want to like physically have an experience of a sexual experience with that person with our privates touching. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> I think it, I think it would really serve us as a hu- as humans, as a church, as a culture, if we, if we like zoomed out and enlarged and expanded our view on what sexuality is. And then stuff like, oh, wow, when I have an orgasm with another person, dopamine and oxytocin is released in my body at like an exponential amount. And those things bond me to another human being. Like in Christian or religious circles, we call it like soul ties, you know? Mm -hmm. But in like in science terms, we're creating neurological pathways that bond us to another human being. And so I started realizing, man, the relationships where I've been super physical or the physical has led the way. Um, first of all, it's muddied the waters for me to discern, is this person even a good fit for me? Mm-hmm. And I mean, back to the guy I dated in my twenties who treated me terribly, we had insane physical chemistry, but it took me about four years too long to realize we had nothing in common. Mm, yeah. And so I just kind of started to look at my own life and what it was that I really wanted and realized, you know what, like, first of all, as a person who is continuing to choose to follow Jesus, like I'm going, I'm going to choose to, to submit to this invitation of abstaining. Mm -hmm. Um, However, like my being a virgin or not being a virgin or having sex or not having sex does not keep you away from God. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to like 
understand that. And also like God is pro personal autonomy. Yeah. <laughs> like Romans says, like offer your body as living sacrifices. Like Paul, the apostle Paul is under the assumption that we can't demand people to give our bodies away. Yeah. That like God honors like personal choice. Mm -hmm. And so I think the biggest thing is I'm not saying this as like, this is like, thus says the Lord and you should be like me and you should make the decision like me. I think, I think we all need to pause and say, what do I believe about sex? What do I believe about intimacy? What do I believe about relationships? Mm -hmm. What do I believe about sexuality? Where did those thoughts come from? Absolutely. Are they true? Yeah. What is true? What is my source for truth? Yeah. And are, is, is that working for me? Is it, is it pointing me towards like who I want to become? Mm -hmm. Are the, and that's like the larger conversation in all of our life is, is, are the patterns and decisions that I'm making propelling me towards the person I want to be or not? Exactly. And so I think back to your original statement of, you know, I think we all have to make that decision for ourselves. I 100% agree with that. Mm -hmm. And I think we often, you know, in purity culture and church culture, we're given this like set of rules when like God is all about our heart. Yeah. So we can be doing all the right things, quote unquote but our hearts can be far from God mm -hmm. and God cares so much about relationship with us. Yeah. And so I think that means we have to be willing to give each other the space and permission to figure out what we believe. You get to define what is sex. I mean, that was a whole other journey for me to be like, okay, so then what is sex to me? Yeah. What, well, what, yeah. Cause of what the parameters of, and that's the thing like we were saying before is like, you know, I think it's important for each of us to ask those really tough questions to ourselves mm. and to get really honest, because mm -hmm. I think, you know, you're, you're talking about doing all of that digging in your own personal life and kind of excavating and finding out all this information about what it is that you needed to know in order to make that decision for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that every time you're in a relationship that pops back up again, because it's like, Oh, do I still believe this? I mean, cause like, mm -hmm. I really want to be intimate with this person. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that's where it's so important for each of us to to get really honest and say, it's not just about a like, let's plug and play this, you know, it's about no, let's know what is it that I do need? What mm. what is it that I am going to? Um, how am I going to feel? Uh, yeah. it, it, it's so much more than just a set of rules or, or like it is all about heart and it all it is about being, I guess, so much um knowing your value mm -hmm. in the sense of being like this is what i believe is going to be good for me not what i'm worth necessarily but right what what is going to be good for me yeah in, in the long run and and i think that that you know is what everybody now I could talk to you forever on this i just looked at the time and i was like oh my <laughs> gosh i was like we've got <laughs> there's so many more things yeah. I have, I have friends, um, questions in my mind popping through and I'm like, they would be like, you didn't ask this and you didn't ask that, which means I'm obviously I'm just, you know, scratching the surface of like mm. what is possible to talk about. I do want to know yeah. a couple of things. Number yeah. one, what is the book you're writing? That's number one. And then yeah. of course, um, how can people find you? Because I think people are going to want to continue the conversation. Yeah. Um, for sure. so yeah. Yeah. Well, first I just, I kind of wanted to say, um, in all of this, um, let's just be intentional. Mm -hmm. We're intentional with every other area of our lives. We're intentional about our careers. We'll move cross country for a job. We'll spend hundreds of thousands of dollars getting degrees, certifications. We are intentional about our health and, you know, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds. Well, that doesn't accidentally happen. Mm -hmm. Yet we come to relationships and sex and intimacy and we either are total bystanders and are like, well, God's going to do what God's going to do. And so I'm just going to, you know, float here. Or we get in situations like this is what happened to me so often is it was like, oops, didn't know that was going to happen in that sexual encounter because I didn't want to think about it beforehand, either out of naivete or also like, well, I kind of really wanted that thing to happen. Mm -hmm. And when I could say, oops, then I could justify having less responsibility over it. So I think a huge part of this, it's something that I am super passionate about is having a strong voice of consent 
We can only have a strong voice of consent if we have paused and done the work to decide, what do I want? What do I not want? What do I want to happen tonight? Because it's going to be different in every encounter. Just because you said yes to something before, doesn't mean you need to say yes to it again. So I think strengthening within us a um, a resolve and like using our brains Mm -hmm. and using our experiences as opposed to like, oh, well, Kat said this. So then let me regurgitate to the person I'm dating. This is why I do or do not have sex. Yeah. Like if anything, my big encouragement is to do the freaking work, like do the work, um, yeah, which could, is I, what my book is about. <laughs> I, 100, I can't say that stress that enough. I 100% agree with that. It's like, I think everyone has to do the work. Mm. So I just want to, yeah, yes, you yes. have to know. And that's with everything. And you can, I, I can't, you can keep I can't changing tell your you. mind if you need to. You that's can make right. a decision one day and change it and go, it's it's grace like mm-hmm. so much grace for anybody listening to this yeah. so yeah well we're humans and not robots yeah you know <laughs> so we try to formalize and systematize religion relationships yeah. love career like 10 steps to meet your husband overnight five steps to double your instagram following life <laughs> just is way more nuanced than that yeah and i think god is not afraid of the gray mm-hmm. we get really threatened by the gray whoa yeah oh the gray is scary but that's where jesus lives i think god lives in these gray spaces and a nuance because God is a God of a relationship. And I always like, whenever I like search the scriptures, I always see like, it's like culture is saying one thing, the religious are saying another thing. And then Jesus kind of like bursts through and like flips the whole scene on the table and says like, but I say this. Yeah. It's like, Jesus is like this King of the third way. And like, we just want it to be a this or a that. And he's like, maybe it's a both and. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's a this and a that and a, a little bit of this too. Um, so yes, I wanted to, I wanted to say that. Um, so my book is called sexless in the city and it's all about this stuff. Yeah. It's about my own, my turning point of what do I believe about sex, sexuality, desire? What are the um, damaging myths that I grew up believing Mm -hmm. about all of the above and um, really casting a new biblical vision Um, because I think the Bible does actually have a very compelling vision for sex and sexuality and desire like God created humanity and said it was good Mm -hmm. that means my sexuality is a part of that so that's good too Um, so that book is about that and it will be in print April 2021 okay so but I have I talk about it all the time on my website on my podcast all the things so my website is The Refined Woman Instagram The Refined Woman my podcast is The Refined Collective and if you're single listening to this and you're like man being single is a freaking struggle fest um I get it. Um, <laughs> you're not alone. I have a free resource guide called Six Tips to Activate Your Dating Life that kind of just starts the conversation of how can I take responsibility in this season? Mm-hmm. And you can go to bit.ly slash TRW dating tips and you can go on there, grab that resource guide and uh, would love to be on this journey with you. I want to thank you so much. Uh, I think this conversation is like, is so needed right now and I think you know people are going to find so many things to really think about and and so I want to thank you for opening it up and for I guess you're the person who opened the door for me to now step out and start talking about some of the things that I think and feel about the subject so yeah. look at world who knows I might be the next person talking about it. Hey, <laughs> I, yo, but I was like you know I've got to put an E on this now <laughs> <laughs> whoops <laughs> I laughed because <laughs> you know, but it's. I think the the reality of the situation and in this is that we need to be honest about these conversations and we need to actually op- be open um, because people that have lived in shame for so long they can't even use the words and it's mm-hmm. it's such a pervasive uh, place to be and so it's like you know to give words to the things that people are feeling and thinking. I want to thank yes. you for that um, mm-hmm. and thank you for being on the Courage Cast. Thanks for having me. Woo. Okay, I think I just need to take a deep breath and have a moment here. Maybe for some of you that was pretty tame, but for me it was full on, but it was so, so good. It's conversations like these that I know we need to be having as women to live bravely, to step into our power and to make choices that serve us in ways that bring us healing and wholeness. And 
I don't know how you feel about this topic, but however you feel, that's okay. Wherever you stand in this issue, that is okay. Grace, grace to all of us. Grace to those of you who wished you could have waited to be sexually intimate in a relationship before you got married. Grace to those of you whose story is that of trauma and abuse. Grace to those of you who have decided that you want to be sexually intimate prior to marriage. And grace to those of you who are married, but you feel disappointed and discouraged and like things are not going the way you would have hoped sexually in your marriages. Okay, hopefully I covered everybody there. I'm sure I didn't, but grace, grace to all of us. There is no judgment here, none from me whatsoever. My desire was to open the conversation to each and every one of us to live bravely, to take those steps, to become the women we truly desire to be, or men, if you happen to be a guy who's listening to this. And a huge thank you to Kat for being on the show. She just brought so much wisdom and I really have a lot to think about, honestly. There were so many things that uh, she shared with me that I was like, you know, I need to really look into that. She's definitely my new girl crush. So make sure to connect with her. All of her links are in the show notes, which is over on thecouragecast.com. And please make sure to connect with me as well. You can find me on Instagram at at the.couragecast or my personal account, which is at Miss Crispy. You can also find me on Facebook and I'd love to connect with you. So if you have any questions or comments about the show today, I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. I hope you feel encouraged, empowered, and known. I loved hanging out with you. Until next time, remember, you have everything you need to live bravely. If you like this episode of The Courage Gas, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a rating and review, and while you're there, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Original music and production by Stephen Crilly.